Well, good morning. It's good to be here with you this morning. I am so thrilled to be speaking with you this morning. Whatever brought you here, I don't mind, but I know God has a reason for it. So if you're here, it's not on accident. You might have come this morning because simply your wife made you. Um, Let's be real. (laughs) Uh, Maybe you came this morning because you wanted to try our amazing buffet of donuts, cheese platter. Um, What else do we have out there? We have like a five-course meal, so that might have been your motivation. That's fine, too. Uh, Maybe you came this morning because a friend has been asking you over and over, and you just said, you know what, I want to get them off my back, so you're here. Um, But seriously, if you came this morning, maybe some of you are broken, maybe some of you are confused, hurting, angry, maybe you find yourself in a place where you're just not having the joy that you used to have. There's some real reasons that bring us here, but whatever the reason is, regardless of why you're here, I want to let you know that God's going to meet you today. He knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly what you're going through, Um, and he loves you unconditionally, and so he wants you to encounter him in a way that you never imagined. Um, Some of you maybe have never had the opportunity in your life to receive uh, Jesus and become a follower of Christ. And today is your opportunity. At the end of our time together this morning, I'm going to be inviting those of you who have never met the Lord to have an opportunity. I'm also going to be inviting those of you who just want to have a breakthrough in your life for something. I mean, we can all be real together. We're a family. Maybe we just need a breakthrough. Maybe we need a refreshing. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to seek after God. And uh, would you pray with me? God, we come to you this morning with all of our reasons of why we're here. We come to you with all of our baggage. We come to you with all of our mistakes. We come to you and just give it all to you. We ask that you would speak to our hearts this morning. We ask that our hearts would be um, fertile ground to receive what you have so that it would turn into something to bear fruit, God, and not just go in one ear and out the other. We thank you that you love us And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to continue today with Hosea. Uh, Adam and Al, everybody's been going through Hosea. They got us through chapter 3. I'm actually going to fast forward a little bit and get us to the end of Hosea in chapter 14. Um, But before we do that, I have a question for you. What is the bridge to living a life of restoration? Let me say that again. What is the bridge... To living a life of restoration. You don't have to answer me if you're nervous. I'm going to give you the answer. It's an easy test. We'll get to that. Um, Have you guys ever heard the saying, hurt people hurt people? Have you all heard that? I hear that all the time, right? I believe that statement to be true. Um, But here's the thing. I believe that if that's true, then this is true. Restored people restore people. Right? If we are restored and we're walking in a life of freedom and knowing that we're loved by God, then we then can introduce and take others to that same kind of life. But we can't do that if we're broken. What is our mission here at Rock Hills? We've been saying it a lot lately. We're going to have it up here just in case you want to cheat. What is our mission? You're going to say it with me? Love God. Love others. Correct. How do we do that if we are broken and not walking in a life of true freedom. If we're not forgiven and restored, how can we live that out? 
We can't, right? We can't live that out. But I, I want to tell you that the key to getting, becoming a life restored is one word, and it's super simple. It's repentance. That's it. Repentance is the bridge to living a life restored. And I'm not talking about shame. I'm not talking about guilt. I'm not talking about making you feel bad of all the things you've done. That's not what I'm talking about with repentance. I am talking about a God who loves us so unconditionally, who's paid a price for us. He's, he went before each and every one of us. He knew that we were going to make mistakes. He knows that we're going to make mistakes next week. He knew the mistakes we made last week. But God is looking after hearts that are turned to him. And that takes humility. We have to humble ourselves and turn to God. And then we can live a restored life. And then we can live out that mission statement that we just put up there. And we can bring kingdom, the kingdom of God, to earth. We're going to continue, like I said, in Hosea. The last several weeks we've been uh, going through. And I'm going to jump us to chapter 14. Um, if you're following along. So we're going to go to chapter 14 in Hosea. Um, this is where God, is, if, if you skip a little bit with me, the children of Israel have just been making mistake after mistake. They are uh, refusing to trust God, and they, they trust in false idols. Um, they trust in all kinds of things. They have a lot of wicked ways. But in the end, in chapter 14, I love what he says because God tells them, One thing, he says, turn to the Lord. He doesn't say, man, you guys have not stopped. You are not listening. I am fed up with you. You've had your last chance. That's it. No more. That's not what he says. I love that the first thing in verse 1 is he says, turn to me. Turn to the Lord. He doesn't want them to trust in their false gods, their idols, but rather trust in only him. Because on the other side of humility is blessing. And so if uh, if you're following along, if you're taking notes, we're going to have Hosea chapter 14. I'm going to read verses 1 through 4. It says, Return, O Israel, to the Lord your God, for your sins have brought you down. Bring your confessions and return to the Lord. Say to him, Forgive all our sins and graciously receive us so that we may offer you our praises. Assyria cannot save us, nor can our war horses. Never again will we say to the idols we have made, you are our gods. No, in you alone do the orphans find mercy. The Lord says, then I will heal you of your faithlessness. My love will know no bounds, for my anger will be gone forever. That meant so much to me when I read it. His love knows no bounds. They have messed up time and time again. We look at it as just a few chapters. This was years, and they're continuing to not trust him. And he's like, I'm not losing faith in my children. I'm not going to lose faith in you. All you got to do is turn to me. Forget these things that you're trusting in and turn to me, and I'm going to be right here with open arms. All you got to do is have a heart that turns to me. I absolutely love that. His message isn't go away. His love is relentless and will never stop pursuing you, will never stop pursuing me. No matter how many times, you might sit there and go, I have messed up so many times. And, you know, I want to mention today, I'm not just talking about, I think when we think of big sins, we think of the big ones, you know, like 
well, I don't, I don't struggle with X or Y. We, we, don't, we, don't, we look at all the big things. I'm talking about just daily little things that we struggle with in our day-to-day life. And there could be a huge list. I won't go through them. But no matter how many times you're struggling with that, God is not concerned with the number of times. He's concerned with your heart. He's concerned with my heart. You might feel you're not good enough, but I'm here to tell you this morning that God is enough. He is. And you might hear this a thousand times, but I really want this to sink in, that he is enough and he sees your heart. Um, let me read to you, if you're following along, let's, go, let's turn to Acts chapter 3, verse 19. We'll read this. It says, now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. I absolutely love that. He's like, Just repent of your sins, turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped away. Repentance brings what? What does repentance bring for us? Well, his word says that repentance brings times of refreshing. How many of you right now say, I could use a time of refreshing? Anybody? I could use a season of refreshing, right? We go through seasons. That's a normal ebb and flow of life. And so repentance brings times refreshing. There's a blessing on the other side of repentance, and God desperately wants to bless you. He really does. He just needs your heart. He needs your attention to turn to him. We get caught up in so many things, and we forget. We, God wants our heart. I love the story of David. A lot of you know this story. The reason why I like it is I feel David's very human. He, he, uh, He's a passionate person. That's what I gather from the scriptures. But he messes up time and time again. Um, He's constantly making mistakes. And he's making some big ones. He's not just necessarily doing the little things. But David was pursuing God constantly, even with his mistakes. You know what he never did? It never stopped his pursuit. David could make a mistake, but he was still going to pursue God with his heart. And what does God call him? We might know. Some of you might know. God says to David, he's a man after my own heart. He doesn't say that about anybody else in Scripture. He says it about David. And David, if you were to look at David's life and just say, hey, let's see how perfect he was, it doesn't qualify at all. But God says you're a man after my own heart? Um, I love that David wasn't perfect. I love that the Father said that about someone who wasn't perfect. Um, he says, he's a man after my own heart because he will do everything I ask of him. Everything. He'll do everything I ask of him. Turn to Acts 13, verse 22. I'll show you. But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do what? Everything I want him to do. Everything. He didn't say he's a man after my own heart because he never messes up. (laughs) Thank God he didn't say that. He's a man after my own heart because David messed up three times, but after the third one, the rest of his life, he never did it again. And I like that. You get three. No, he didn't say that. He said he's a man after my own heart because he will do what? Everything. Everything I ask. So God is obviously here looking at the heart. He's not looking at your actions. And I know we've heard this, but it needs to sink in because if this sinks in, we will operate day to day differently than we do now. So I absolutely love that story. If we turn to Isaiah 61, 
uh, verses 1 through 4, I love this. This, to me, shows a sign of what we can be once we have repented, when our hearts have turned to God, how we can live an abundant life being restored. Um, my parents actually memorized, I believe, this entire chapter. Uh, I think I said I was going to, and then something happened. I don't know. <laughs> but I love Isaiah 61. I absolutely love it. And so we'll read this uh, passage together. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, though they have been deserted for many generations. That, to me, is abundance. That is joy. That is a new season. That is, that is refreshing. That is a time of refreshing. God wants each and every one of us to live an abundant life. He doesn't want us to go day to day or week to week, month to month, being beaten up and feeling shameful you know, for ourselves and saying, woe is me. That's not what he wants. I have, I have a, a funny, a kind of funny story when I was young. I think I was probably about 10, 11 years old, and I should have known that this was uh, shadowing that I'd be in sales when I grew up, but uh, uh, I digress on that a bit. Here's what happened. So my dad was a pastor of River City Fellowship here in San Antonio. So I was, I was always around the church, just, um, just around. I would go up there for office hours, even with him sometimes, just hang out. So one day I found in our building, we had a lot of cool little places I used to just, you know, explore, and I found this closet with boxes and boxes of, do you remember those little New Testament Bibles? You remember those? And we would give those out to people who would come to know Christ or get baptized, and, <laughs> and so I found this box, and I took it and put it in the back of my mom's car. So far, so good, right? No, I've not done anything wrong yet. The story gets better. So we go home, and that weekend, I'm like, I have the best idea that I've had in my 11 years on this earth. I'm going to put these Bibles in my backpack. I'm going to then get on my bike, and I'm going to spend hours on by Saturday and go door to door to door of my neighborhood and sell them. <laughs> sell them. Not give them away, because let me tell you, it's my dad's church, so I didn't think I was stealing but I was stealing. I stole the Bibles. Um, and I said, you know what? I, I think I can pitch this at the door. I don't need a script. I can handle the objections. I'll overcome them, and I'll rebuild value, and I'm going to sell this Bible. I was working on my sales skills early. So I go out that Saturday, and I'm telling you, I, I had a good work ethic that day. I sold every single one. Everyone made a ton of money for a 10-year-old, a ton I come home, and my mom, you can't really, when you're that age, you don't have transportation. It's not like I can go spend it secretly. I'd have to spend it with her. She's like, what are you doing with this much money? How did you get hundreds of dollars? What has happened? <laughs> and I said, uh, well, here's the thing. 
you remember that closet that we had? She's like, no, I don't know. Well, it, I know. That's why you don't even remember, so it's not a big deal, Mom. I found some Bibles, and I sold them to the neighbors. That's a great thing, right? She's like, you what? I'm not kidding. She tells my dad. They're like, oh, my gosh, Josh, you sold all of them? Yeah, I sold every last one of them. You got more? Let's do this. We can make some money here, Dad. So he says to me the reasons that I shouldn't have done that, obviously. And I find in this story, even through its innocence, it's funny that I had two choices. I could have gotten angry and thrown a fit and said, I don't want to and whatever. But he said, I need, you're going to go with us and we're going to go to every single person and we're going to let them keep the Bible, but we're going to give them the money back. And we'll go with you. And that, that, that stunk, you know. I was like, oh, I got all this money. I, I want it. But I knew what I had done when he explained it to me. I knew it was wrong. And I, even before they explained it, I kind of knew something inside. I probably shouldn't be doing this. Um, <laughs> but I chose to be humble and to listen to my parents. And I said, okay. And we went together. And we went to every single person. And we told, I told them that I was sorry and that I wanted them to keep the Bible, but that... I needed to give them their money back. And guess what happened? Not one person did not say, I appreciate it. Thank you for your apology. But if it's all right with your parents, I don't want the money. I want you to keep it. And my mom and dad were stunned because door to door to door, not one person would take the money back. So my parents said, okay, you can keep it. But I still went to every door and apologized. When I did something that was wrong, because I chose humility... And I turned to my parents, and I said, okay. And I did what they asked. My heart was in the right place. God blessed me. He said, you know what? I love you. Thank you for going back and repenting to them. But you can, he let me keep the money. He didn't need to do that. Not one person. That's how I knew it was a God thing, because I don't know how many, I don't want to lie to you. I can't remember how many Bibles it was, but it was a lot. I had to go to multiple streets. Um, (laughs) And not one person said, oh, well, thank you. You know what I mean? Like, if some little kid sold me a Bible and I felt like I got sold, I'd have been like, yeah, give me that money back. <laughs> Not one. So God wants to bless you. He does. He, he, we're going to make mistakes. We're human. We're going to do stupid things. But God looks at your heart, and he wants you to have a heart that is willing to turn away, do a 180-degree angle or, or, or turn away from that thing and follow him. And if you mess up again, Repent, ask forgiveness, let's keep going. We're on a journey together. Um, I was talking to my dad about some of this uh, sermon on the bridge to a life of restoration, and we were kind of just, you know, firing back at each other on things we were, we were um, praying about and, and seeking God on. And he told me something that I really, really loved that I'm going to steal from him this morning. So if you're watching online, sorry, Dad. Uh, but he said something that really hit me strong. He said that the word repent, re means to go back, and pent is like the penthouse, the top floor of a building. So repent, then, means to go back to God's high perspective on reality. Isn't that good? To go back on God's high perspective of reality. And in that perspective, there is a renewal, a reformation that affects our intellect, our emotions, and every part of our lives. 
In Romans 12, 2, and we don't have this on the screens, I'll just read it for you. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Repentance involves renewing of the mind. And the renewing of the mind with repentance, what I'm trying to say is a renewed mind does not, uh, it's not necessarily an issue of whether you go to heaven, but how much of heaven you or I want on earth. This isn't about I need to do works and, 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 and to earn my way. This is about having the kingdom of heaven here on earth. What did Jesus instruct us to pray? I mean, you can say it with me. It says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on what? On earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, repentance, I believe, is the gateway to bring heaven to earth. That's what I truly believe. Um, one of the worst effects that our sin has on us is it just stops our journey. So to just show you an example, if we're walking with Christ and you do something on Monday and you're like, oh, I did that again. I've struggled with this so much. I'm just, I'm never going to get over this. I'm never going to be enough. God is just probably fed up with me. While I'm going through these thoughts, what has happened to me walking? I've stopped. That, in my opinion, is the worst effect of the sin because I was on a journey. I am walking forward and then I mess up and then I stand here and wallow in that. And while I'm standing there, the enemy's like, ha, gotcha. Now you're not moving forward. Your journey has paused. Why does our journey have to pause? Why can't we continue our journey and mess up right here and go, forgive me, God, but I'm after you. Mess up in our journey. God, I'm not stopping chasing you. I'm going to keep going after you. I'm not going to let that affect me. I'm not going to let that slow me down. Boom, I mess up here. God, I am so sorry. Please forgive me, but I am after you. I'm not going to, I'm going to be relentless in my pursuit of you because you're relentless in your pursuit of me. Why can't we do that in our journey and our walk? We're going to make mistakes. We're going to mess up. But we need to not get caught up in the shame or feeling unworthy. That's exactly what the enemy wants. Our Father paid the price for all our sins. And we need to accept this gift of grace and mercy. We need to humble our hearts and repent and keep moving forward. Once we've learned to receive God's forgiveness, we can show this love to others and let them share in this life. And that goes back to our mission statement. Love God, love others. So we need to turn our hearts to God, repent, and continue forward in our journey. Not get caught up in our day-to-day -day sins. And I'm not standing here preaching to you saying, hey, don't worry, mess up as much as you want. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying He's looking at your heart, not your actions. And when our hearts are turned to God and we continue to pursue him, I promise you that over time, some of those things, they will just fall away. Those things fall away. The, the reason why those things don't fall away is we keep feeding them. If you starve something, what does it do? It dies. So we keep feeding them, but if we will turn our hearts to God and not stop in our pursuit, we will absolutely 
live a life of restoration. And this is a life where we can lead others to Christ, but it's also where we can just live a life of abundant joy. Abundant joy. The blessings of the Lord come in all different ways. I'm not just talking about maybe money or success. Or The blessings of God come in so many different ways. I had a, I had a metaphor. Yesterday I was, I was doing my, my jogging. I don't do that much. <laughs> I think uh, when I say that I laugh, I think... Some of these people here in Helicon, they, they run like marathons. I'm like, yeah, I did three miles and I'm exhausted. So when I, you know, so uh, I was jogging yesterday and uh, I was on a treadmill and they had the TV on, Sports Center, and I, I love sports. And God gave me this little metaphor that I, I felt on my heart I wanted to share with you this morning. Um, it kind of was like a light bulb to me. Uh, have you ever heard uh, in like uh, sports, like in the NFL, I'll use an example. Have you ever heard with a coach that he is coaching with um, job security? Like, he's not on the hot seat where he's getting ready to be fired, right? So, like, I have a few coaches that come to mind that I think of this. Like, Bill Belichick of the New England Patriots. He is a coach where he is not worried about losing his job. Am I right? So he will make a decision to go for it on fourth down when you probably shouldn't go for it. He will uh, cut a player that's really good, and everybody else goes, why would you do that? He will bench a player for the entire Super Bowl, and you wonder why he's benched because he's really good. But he's not worried about losing his job. He is coaching without fear, right? He is coaching and leading with confidence and boldness and saying, I've been empowered and I'm going to use that empowerment. So this is a crazy metaphor. I hope it makes sense. But in my mind, I was like, wow, when you apply that to our Christian walk, a lot of times I believe, metaphorically speaking, that we go through our Christian walk without job security. We have this fear looking over our shoulder that God is out to get us or to punish you because you've messed up or I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy and so I'm always, I'm nervous and I messed up again and I couldn't, you know, I can't, I can't talk to that person and minister to them because I actually, they don't need, God, why would you use me? You know what I did yesterday? So because of what you did yesterday, you're not going to speak life into someone today. It's because you don't feel job security. The love of the Father is boundless, it's endless. His pursuit of us is so big That he's trying to say, child, listen, I love you, period. I love you. You have job security. You can lead with confidence. You can make decisions with confidence. That confidence matters. We operate different when we're confident as opposed to we're not confident. There was a story that my dad was telling me. uh, I told him that, and and we were just talking the other day, and he said, you know, that makes sense. I I didn't think of it, but uh, your mother and I went to a movie, and after the movie, I randomly felt like I wanted to just bless her. And I said, hey, uh, Angie, I'm going to take you. Let's go to Dillard or Nordstrom. I can't remember what he said. And I said, I just want you to go for it. I want you to buy some jewelry, clothes, whatever. Let's just, let's just have a good night. And he just wanted to bless her. He didn't want anything. And he told me, he said that she said, oh, my hair. I was just, I'm in like movie clothes. <laughs> I guess that's a thing I'm, as y'all are laughing as I'm saying it. You know, she's just like coming up with reasons of why she can't go because she didn't have what? She didn't have confidence. So because of the lack of confidence, she chose not to go. And that's fine, but she didn't receive that blessing. So I believe that applies to us as well, is that when we have confidence in the Lord, we have confidence that he loves us, we have confidence that we're a child of God, we will receive the blessing that he has for us. But it just depends on if we 
we'll turn our hearts to him, humble ourselves, and follow him. We don't need to get stuck every time we make a mistake. We don't need to get caught up in that. We need to just seek God. He wants humbled hearts. And I read this the other day, and I, I want, if you're taking notes, I, this really meant something to me. I, we're going to have it on the screen, I believe, if you want to write it down. But it's that we are made for rest in God. But we look for rest in all the wrong places. So if you're feeling weary this morning, if you're feeling tired, if you're feeling like, uh, I just need a change of, of season, I need the season to change. If you're feeling bogged down with life, whatever it is, this morning God wants to give you a renewing of your mind and a refreshing season. But he needs your heart. He doesn't need your actions. He needs your heart turned to him. The band is going to, they're already out here, they're going to start to play and we're going to have a time of worship here at the end. Um, I mentioned earlier that we'd have this opportunity to encounter God and lay things down that are holding us back. Maybe we need to um, just have a moment where we, we tell Him, we ask forgiveness for some things. Maybe, maybe you uh, just need a breakthrough in your life. It could be anything. It could be big, it could be small, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. We're going to have the prayer team uh, come to the front. And as they're up here, um, if you're struggling, struggling with anything, um, even if it's the same thing that you've got happening over and over, um, if it's something different, um, God wants you to know there's nothing you've done that's too big for his blood to wash away. There's nothing you've done that is, that is too big for his blood to take care of. He went before you. He paid the price. And now he just needs our hearts. And I wanted to say something that I felt this was for someone in the room. Maybe it's for more than one of you. If there's someone here this morning and, and you have an encounter and experience, I want to let you know that the lie of the enemy that you're going to hear this week when you make a mistake is going to be one word. He's going to say, see that's it basically I told you so see so I don't want you if you have an encounter with God today if you meet Jesus for the first time or if you're laying some things down and turning your heart to him I do not want you this week when you inevitably make a mistake to listen to the lie of the enemy that says see I want you to say back to it see Right? When you hear him say, see, just keep walking and go, see, I'm forgiven. What do you do with that, devil? What do you do? He already lost. We let him win, but he's lost. Stop letting him think he's won. So this morning, we're going to worship together. I don't want you to operate in fear. I don't want you to operate in what do others think. I don't want you to think about anything except your heart to God. We're going to sing a song here. And during this song, I invite you 
If you would like prayer, to come receive prayer. If you want to meet Jesus for the first time, come down here and we'd be more than happy to guide you through that. If you don't want prayer, but you just want to lay some things down, hey, come down here. Come down to the front. This is real life. This isn't a game. This isn't something we just say. This is real life. We're living this together. We're on a journey together. All right? So let's just uh, go to the Lord this morning. And I just invite you as we begin to worship uh, to do as the Lord leads you this morning. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for everyone in this room. I thank you for everyone that's listening online. God, I pray that you'd move on our hearts. I pray that you'd be in this place even right now. Tell us, Father, what do we need to let go of? What do we need to stop trusting in? We lay these things down, God. We lay them down, Father. Amen.